what we did in our reporting season uh, preview was uh, we said that there was a good chance of companies really beating uh, pretty low expectations and earnings upgrades um, right through reporting season. And companies didn't disappoint. Across the ASX industrials, um, earnings were revised up around 2.6%. Um, we also saw beat to miss ratio of about um, 2 to 1 or, in fact, over 2 to 1. Um, and this is despite companies really getting hit late by Omicron as well. Remember in December, um, companies really getting hit there. Um, and yet we didn't see too many, too many uh, uh, earnings downgrades or trading updates during that period. So quite... Quite surprising, um, you know, perhaps the strength that we've seen in that beat to miss ratio. Um, and then also, if you look at the the noise around um, inflation and, and costs, it's really easy to overlook some of the fundamentals. And um, with the market still in an upgraded um, um, cycle, where, where we're seeing there in that chart in the middle was 1.5 upgrades to every downgrade. Um, and this wasn't just at the, the market aggregate level. We saw net positive re revisions uh, quite positively across the market. So that chart on the left-hand side gives you a, a good idea of where we saw the upgrades and most notably energy, retail, media, banks, insurers, and even IT. So all were net um, positive EPS revision um, sectors. So I guess the issue was that the results did feel a lot worse than they probably were. Um, if we just look at the performance of the market, excluding banks and resources, um, and this chart here shows you... Um, the market's actually down 16% um, year to date. Uh, compare this to what EPS revisions have been doing and they've been steadily increasing uh, right through that reporting season period. And if you look at sort of how um, results uh, reacted on the day, we saw 62% um, negative um, day one uh, reactions, uh, which dominated the positive reactions about 38. Typically we see that closer to 50-50. The average price reaction in the market was down 1%. So really, um, it's down to the picture around valuations, just how much you sort of pay for this market, um, something that the market has been obviously grappling with since Q4 last year. Um, however, if you look at sort of what analyst price targets are or where they're sitting relative to current prices, you can see there that there's plenty of upside. So certainly the analyst community um, post, post the results uh, are indicating that there is plenty of upside here. So there's certainly some valuation support. Also, if you look at um, the 12 month forward PE of the industrials, it's now trading around sort of 20 times and it's back at that sort of pre-COVID level. And arguably, you know, the earnings outlook where we are now is much better than perhaps what they were sort of two years ago. So certainly we think there is some conservatism in, in that E. Um, so while it, may not feel like it. We certainly think the fundamentals will ultimately prevail over the course of the year. Uh, why, why do we think this? Well, fewer than 22% uh, of the ASX companies that we monitor have provided some form of um, quantitative guidance for FY22. So what that tells you is there's a wide margin for error um, across all of the sort of earnings risks that are surrounding the market at the moment. Um, also, that conservatism that I, I talked about, we saw 2.6% EPS revisions um, right through that reporting season period. Um, it's only pricing in um, FY22 EPS growth of around 3%, so quite modest in terms of expectations where we saw double-digit earnings growth over the last few years. Also, if you look at some of the trading updates post-reporting season from uh, either the rate retailers, travel stocks, 
um, or even some of the gaming companies shows you that there's a fair bit of momentum sort of coming out of this period post-Omicron as well. So we think also there are tentative signs that some of the risks around supply chain disruptions and workforce absenteeism is starting to abate. So we've we've heard from the likes of Ampool, GUD, Downer, uh, Sims, all talking about um, raw material costs um, coming off slightly, um, the supply chain tightness just easing easing off somewhat. So there are some tentative signs there that maybe some of those supply chain pressures are starting to ease. And notably, I think um, here in this chart here uh, is basically showing you uh, what EPS revisions have done right through this COVID period over the last couple of years. And you can see there that we've, we've been in a pretty strong upgrade cycle. So uh, uh, typically, um, forecasts start off quite conservative and then subsequently revised up. This is different from the pre-COVID period where we saw downgrades through the years. So we're still seeing that. And if you look at forward uh, looking forecasts of FY23 and 24, they remain quite conservative. And I point you to FY23 um, where, you know, forecasts for, for that year are only 10% higher than they were. Um, during the depths of um, COVID in, in August 2020. So, you know, very modest um, in, in terms of earnings expectations for the outer years. So we certainly think there's upside to those numbers if economic conditions hold. And this is um, a chart that we like to show you sort of post-COVID is that economic surprise index. And it shows you that the bounce back from each um, subsequent wave of COVID the incoming economic data continues to surprise on the upside. And we're seeing that again um, during this period coming out of Omicron through that reporting season period is um, economic incoming economic data continues to surprise um, economists' forecasts. So certainly some good signs there and the fundamentals look reasonably sound coming out of reporting season. Obviously, um, it wasn't all good news. I mean, obviously, supply chain tightness, uh, bottlenecks around sort of labour as well. Um, they remain an ongoing concern. And companies are tackling um, those challenges um, very differently. So some are, you know, reverting to straight out cost out. Others are looking to premiumization of their product. We've seen that with Treasury, uh, REA, Tabcorp, um, even Coles talking about, um, you know, using that private label high, higher margin um, business and growing that side of the business. So turning to that premiumization mix, obviously the longer term implications if inflation does hang around is how sustainable some of these um, strategies are. So, you know, what we do prefer in this market, you know, where inflation has the potential to perhaps linger around a lot longer than what um, we currently anticipate, um, is that flight to quality. You know, companies that can afford to push prices back onto their customers with pricing power, dominant market positions. So, um, and we've seen that, you know, with the Brambles, the Ampula, Visas, maybe Buntings, the like, who have been um, able to push costs back. So we do think that cost out uh, story um, will continue. We do think that inflation story to continue. So that's something to, to watch for. Um, we go through a lot of the names that we think will hold up better in a, in a price inflationary environment. And we've um, gone through that in, on page 10 of the notes. So Treasury, Corporate Travel, Coles, Endeavor, LaVisa, PWH, to name a few. But I might pass it over to Tom at this point just to talk through some of the other observations. Just the, um, the scorecard you can see in the note, we can see that um, well over or a bit over a third of the entire cohort that we watch did beat expectations. And now that's partially a function of where those expectations were set, but um, even more so based on how strong the fundamentals of the Australian economy and 
of corporates in Australia actually are. So that beat rate was pretty much the strongest we've seen on record. And the, the interesting thing for mine was that that did not translate into sustained price performance, nor did it translate into upgraded expectations going forward. We actually saw um, the, the market overall on aggregate up 2.6% for 22. That's very modest. And the X100 stocks were actually downgraded in terms of their forecasts, despite their beat rate being the best that we've, we've recorded. So that does show you that... Um, where the market is trading is not a problem with fundamentals. It's a problem with what investors are prepared to pay for stocks. And I think we can take some comfort out of that at the moment. Um, just talking about that market rotation and the psychology unfolding there, it really did begin in early to mid-January around um, looming tightening of financial conditions through the year, you know, speculation on where the Fed's going to move at the mid-March meeting, and that could be a, a volatility trigger as those expectations unfold, but um, it's been characterised as a, as a rotation from growth to value and the tech stocks have been in the firing, firing line on that trade, obviously, in the US. But I think what we saw through reporting season is that it's really a, a rotation to quality. So you can see that um, in the rotation to size. I think you can look at, um, interesting for mine, that the small industrials index in February performed as badly as the NASDAQ in Australia. Um, and that's despite those, those forecasts for the X100 only being trimmed by a couple of percent. So you're looking at a 10 to 15% valuation D-rate in that part of the market, which is a function of, on what investors are pre prepared to pay. Um, I think there's really good evidence that investors are really willing to look through this period. So you might think, yes, it's a it's a rotation to to value. It's not. It's size and it's quality. So you can see that in responses in some of the more expensive growth franchises in the market, the large cap stocks that did really well through results season, high PE names like uh, CSL, Cochlear, TWE, Seek, all did quite well. And you can even see it in the small to mid cap names that we do follow. Uh, we're looking at Levisa, NextDC. Um, LQ, AP Eagers did well, corporate travel. So um, really fascinating for mine was that the Morgan's um, growth equity model portfolio actually outperformed the much more conservative growth, sorry, the core portfolio in February by a number of bips uh, and it's strongly outperforming that portfolio month to date in March so far and that's really driven by quality. Yes, at the large end, we've got names like ALQ, um, South 32 has been quite good. Westpac's been quite good. But also um, the market is prepared to, to pay for the, the emerging growth names still. Um, again, the same names, Levisa, AP Eagers, NextDC, TNE and the like. So the, the media might characterise this as a, as a flight to safety and a flight to value. I think it's a flight to quality and that doesn't come at the full exclusion of our favourite growth names in the market. And I think it's a smart time to be looking through this noise and, and cherry picking some of those those great names on weakness. Mm -hmm.